0: Well, hello there, and thanks for joining us. Uh, We're going to get into the re-release of Todd Bolsinger's episode. uh, But first, I want to let you know um, that Todd is speaking on February 9th, and that's why we're re-releasing one of his episodes from The Impact of Leadership today or whenever you listen to this, it was released before that. So anyway, uh, but Resilient Leadership, Leadership in Uncharted Territory is the name of the event. If you hear this before February 9th of 2023, you should definitely go to the show notes, click register and show up to this thing because you're going to want to be a part of it. We already have over a hundred people registered that's in person and virtual. We're going to have both options. We still do, but sign up. And I want to thank the three sponsors that we have right now for making this thing possible. So rather than putting these commercials throughout the episode, I want to give them some shout outs right meow. And I highly encourage you to stick with me through these commercials because I'm not going to stick just to the script. I I want to make sure to show them love because these three organizations are local businesses. They are the economy. When you look at the landscape of the economy, small businesses are what make this thing keep going. And they're they're supporting us, so I'm gonna show them some love. So here we go. At Heartland Produce, they take produce and service seriously. They have grown their business by partnering with the best shippers in the industry to offer their customers, you, the best labels and product available anywhere. They believe that service is not just having product on hand, but delivering it with the quality and consistency that you, the customer, expects. Heartland Produce is family-owned. It's a family-owned business. These owners, though, they're not just third and fourth generation members, though. They are actively involved at the business at all operational levels. Over the course of time, they've incorporated almost every value-added product imaginable to complete their vision as a full-service produce provider. Everything you need to complete your produce department is available from our friends at Heartland Produce. Go to Heartlandproduce.com to learn more. That's H E R T L A N D P R O D U C E.com. Next up, our friends at Community State Bank CSB. Proudly, they serve our community Kenosha County, Racine County, and Walworth County in southeast Wisconsin. CSB has been locally owned. There's a theme here has been locally owned and operated since 1898. You know anybody else that's been around that long, locally owned? Maybe you do. But anyways, as a true community bank, they are committed to making our communities that we live in better places to live, work, and do business. Side note, one of the ways that Impact of Leadership is benefiting is they're supporting this event, which makes it drive down the cost for you all to attend. So thank you again, Community State Bank. So I want to read you something off of uh, community state bank's website and it goes like this, our commitment to lead, all caps, L E A D L leadership E expectation, a achievement D dedication. Each one of these letters on their website stands for something that serves you, the customer. Under leadership, they invest their time, talents, and resources to build communities that they serve. The expectation of earning the trust of you, their customers, by exceeding your expectations. Achievement, encouraging one another to reach objectives and celebrate achievements each and every day. Dedication, creating a culture that exemplifies positivity, accountability, and commitment to lifelong learning and financial literacy. Go to csb.bank for more info. That's Cat Stanley bank.bank. So csb.bank for more info. And last but not least, Dooley & Associates. Now, at Dooley & Associates, they don't deliver cookie cutter packages. So if you're a discerning client who appreciates colorful ideas or creative design, thought leadership, and cutting-edge digital marketing, they are for you. Now, here's what makes them different. Their founder She never worked in an agency. The fact is she was a marketing manager frustrated by having to juggle multiple agencies to serve her design, digital, and production needs and was positive there had to be a better way. Her dream became to create a firm that could serve as a full-service marketing department to clients. And guess what? They're locally owned and operated. Oh, ding, 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 three in a row. Why does all this stuff matter to you? Simply put, you tell their team, your goals, and they develop one comprehensive strategy to meet them and implement it from start to finish. You talk directly to their team. There's no re explaining your business or brand over and over again. They become an extension of your team and empower you to focus on growth. Go to dulyandassociates.com. That is D O O L E Y and associates.com. Companies that grow, go Dooley. Whew, we made it. Now, let's jump into the episode with Todd. This is just gonna be a precursor to what you're gonna hear when you join us on February 9th. There are times in every leader's life when we just don't know what the next right move is. We've hit a spot that we've never been before, and people are depending on us. So what do we do? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Scheer, and over the next two episodes, we're gonna address the statement, what got us here won't get us there. These conversations are with Todd Bolsinger, he's the author of Canoeing the Mountains and Vice President and Chief of Leadership Formation and Associate Professor of Leadership Formation at Fuller Theological Seminary out in California. In today's episode, Todd lays the groundwork for what he calls transformational leadership and how we as leaders can recognize that we are heading into uncharted territory.
1: So let's get into it. Here's my conversation, part one, with Todd Bolsinger. The framework of the book is that uh, the giant challenge of leadership at the moment is the speed of change. It's it's how rapidly things are changing. And and that's not not unknown to anybody who's actually leading. That is the experience they have. Um, Mm -hmm. But I lead within a context of higher education and working with nonprofits and churches. I was a pastor for 27 years. And those are industries that have always been laboriously slow. I mean, the, the whole point of those institutions is that they actually conserve our traditions and our uh, way of life. And they think about themselves as being uh, those things that protect the things that make us most human and most alive. And they, they seem to be the most resistant to change. So the disruption for most leaders in those worlds is that the changing, rapidly changing world affects them now too. And how do we do that faithfully? And I, am learning a lot from uh, not only my own experience, but the people that I talk to around the country about this, that as the world changes, we, those of us who are trained in leadership for the old world have to learn to lead all over again.
0: And and what was the, how did you get to uh, choose the Lewis and Clark expedition and and all of the adventure aspect of this book? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So um, the most interesting thing about the Lewis and Clark story for me is I, I, I love the uh, Western part of the United States. I have a, a little mountain cabin in Idaho, and I grew up going to national parks and my parents were history buffs. So I'm kind of naturally drawn toward those stories anyway. Um, I saw Ken Burns' documentary and ended up reading Stephen Ambrose's book on Lewis and Clark and realized that there's this amazing story that is both um, inspiring and fraught. It is just like our experiences, you know, these people who were trying to um, literally explore the unknown world. I mean, one one scholar said that when Lewis and Clark stepped into the uh, American West over the Lemhi Pass, they knew less about the American West than Neil Armstrong knew about the moon when he stepped on the moon. That um, Neil Armstrong had seen pictures of the moon. So they literally were going into uncharted territory and that some of us feel that way a lot. And when they got there, many interesting, wonderful things happened and they learned, but it also had some consequences that were also hard. And so it's learning how to think of, think about um, what does it mean for us to go off the map into uncharted territory when we were trained for being on the map and in very charted territory. And I,
0: I'm, I'm on my second time through uh, the gentleman that gave me the book who I spoke with you before we started recording. He, he I think he's been through it, you know, six times or something, but yeah. in my second time through, I'm, I'm reminded of how much I still have to learn. So I thought maybe it would be helpful for myself and then also those that are listening in to, to lay out some definitions before we get into kind of the meat of leadership and transformational leadership. So, so basically kind of a softball one, but big as all outdoors, I suppose. But what is leadership and basically, you know, what is it not?
1: So the, the easiest way to think about leadership for me, um, I use this quote from Raul Heifitz and Marty Linsky, where they taught, where they define leadership as disappointing people at a rate they can absorb. <laughs> and, and, and what that points to, I think this is really important, is that one of the biggest difference between, say, management and leadership yes. is that management is actually taking care of everything entrusted to you and being faithful with it. So if somebody gives you a certain amount of resources, you tell them you're going to accomplish something with those resources, we're going to start a business, we're going to start a, a nonprofit, you do so, you go back to them, they say thank you, right? If a group of people join your team and you tell them, hey, we're going to be a great place to work and we're going to make a difference in the world, and you create a good place to work that makes a difference, they say thank you. Leadership is where people sign up with you to go with you on a journey, and then they resist you in the very thing they said they wanted to do. Right. So the Lewis and Clark story is a story about a group of people who were trying to find a water route, and so they were all canoers. They were all river guys who basically found that the terrain changed dramatically when they stepped over the Lemhi Pass and realized there not only was there not a water route, there were the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> and, and these are a whole group of folks who are all from Kentucky. So when they're thinking mountains, they're thinking Appalachian Mountains or Shenandoah mm-hmm. Mountains. They're not thinking Rocky Mountains. They, just think about a group of people who had no mental model for a definition of a mountain that went to 14,000 feet, went above the tree line, and had snow all year long. So they now had to think about that as the pro, kind of profound change they had to face. Mm-hmm.
0: And so now with the definition of the leadership, so then what about transformational leadership? Because you talk about that a lot in the book.
1: Yeah, so what transformational leadership means is um, leadership because you're go- it requires you to deal with resistance and it requires you to do- take people where they say they want to go and resist going. Mm-hmm. It's going to require you to be transformed, and it's going to require them to be transformed. Mm. In other words, you won't be able to actually accomplish the thing you've set out to do unless you go through a very significant change. And I can't predict what that change is going to be. Like, like So, so it, now it becomes really hard. So it's not just a matter of using your skills or your expertise. It's literally having to learn as you go and having to deal with loss all the way along the way.
0: So a couple other terms, and and then I want to pick apart some of the, the the dive in a little bit deeper because yeah. I'm, I'm already loving this. Uh, several other terms in the in the book that caused me to pause and digest, and for me, <laughs> it basically is like a you know come back in a week kind of a thing after highlighting it and thinking through it. But uh, relational congruence, mm-hmm. technical competence, adaptive capacity. And on-the-map skill set, if you could walk us through, and I, I don't mind repeating those yeah. a lot there, but walk us through these and, and the role that they play in transformational leadership.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, if obviously if we were sitting here in the room, I would be writing on the back of a napkin, a Venn diagram of three circles. Um, and because these are the three components that make up transformational leadership. So technical competence is literally your expertise. Most people who end up in leadership, it's because they were actually good at a task, right? Mm-hmm. So person with the highest sales ends up getting invited to be the sales manager or to lead the sales team. Um, The person who is the professor who publishes the most gets invited to consider being the dean. Um, In the church circles, we always say this, that whoever's the best preacher ends up being the person in charge of the whole church. Well, you end up um, thinking about that in a different way because that technical competence now requires you to step into an area where most of us don't have much competence. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, not... Just because you're a good individual contributor doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach or a good team leader. Right? Many star players never become great coaches. Relational congruence is what builds trust with people. So, technical competence gives you credibility. You can do the job. Relational congruence means that you show up as the same person in every place you are. Doesn't mean you're perfect, it means you're mm-hmm. congruent. Doesn't mean that you're all wise and all knowing. It means that you know yourself well enough and you are wise enough to know how to ask for help, to know how to build a team, how to invite people into a process, right? So so what leaders need in order to take people, what I call off the map, into uncharted territory, into their own process of transformation, is it starts with needing to have enough technical competence where, they, where you have credibility and enough relational congruence where they have trust, where people trust you're going to be the same person. An example I often use is, if, you, uh, if I wanted to do a, um, you know, a backcountry um, backpacking trip in, off a trail into the wilderness, I'd want to go with an expert who understands the outdoors, mm-hmm. but I'd also want to go with somebody who is not just a, a risk-taking thrill seeker. I want somebody who's also going to make sure I get home safe, who knows how to work with someone like me who is inexperienced. One first is technical competence. The second is relational congruence. Adaptive capacity is the third circle. So once you have technical competence and relational congruence, once you have credibility and trust, now you actually have to learn a whole different way of taking the core values and adapting them to the changing environment without losing what is the most valuable to them. And that's what adaptive capacity is. It's that ability to know what is so important it will never change and then be able to transform that or adapt that in such a way that it now becomes a value add or a strategic advantage or a, a missional inspiration or a purpose that is going to take you where you wouldn't otherwise go. And so it, and adaptive capacity is the capacity to learn as you go and navigate loss because it all changes experiences loss and to deal with competing commitments and competing values. And on the map, what is the on the map skill set? Yeah. So on the map is your technical competence, right? So, so for Lewis and Clark, it was folks who understood how to run rivers and how yeah. to navigate and, and how to, how to build um, a good military unit that had discipline and took care of each other and took care of all the supplies and made sure that it was food and that everybody was doing well. And you knew how to handle when there was injuries or when people got sick, like those are all the skills you have to have. So I, I would say the hard part about leadership today is you have to have on the map technical competence, The capacity to build trust, relational congruence, and you have to have this capacity to take these people and lead them into an environment where the very first step, they're going to look at you and say, hey, expert, you got us this far. What should we do next? And you know you're off the map when the very next thing you say is, I don't know. Yeah. And we're going to go anyway.
0: What happens
1: at that moment? Like, should we be saying, I don't know? And we're going to go anyways. That's the moment when you're in adaptive territory. And you I mean, I think you, you say there's a lot of stuff we do know. But if you, I mean, just the Lewis and Clark story, here was a bunch of folks who, who were so gifted at running rivers that when they finally got to the Columbia River on the other side of the, of the, the Rocky Mountains, they ran a set of rapids that all the Native Americans never, ever ran. Like they were like literally there was this whole story in the Lewis and Clark story about how the tribes came out and stood on the edge of the banks of the river to watch these crazy white guys go down this river expecting that their boats were going to blow apart and they'd be able to scavenge and, you know, gather up all the stuff that they had spilled. And they made it through the river like they were so good at running rivers. But when you get to the place where there's no river. Like when you cross over the Lemhi Pass and you see the Rocky Mountains, and they're 300 miles long, where they're going to have 60 miles of hip-deep snow, and you're a water guy, and you built your canoes out of your own hands. Literally, they're asking you, what are you going to do next? And the only answer you have is, we're not sure. We're going to drop these canoes, and we're going to see if we can go find someone to help us. They found the Shoshone. They traded for horses. And they kept going.
0: I, I love the history that you weave into uh, all the different parts of your book and, and the, the story. I mean, I'm already have a high propensity for seeing what's around the corner and, and jumping in my kayak and trying to go on a little adventure. So I, I loved that. But what one of the things that struck me was um, and maybe you could talk a little bit more about the map that they were given versus what they saw. I know you've said it a couple of times, but yeah. they had they, they were given tools that were that were not enough
1: but everybody thought that they were enough, right? Yeah. So one of the parts behind this, and this actually goes, this is actually completely relevant today in a lot of our culture, is there was a mental model that came out of Europe that was probably at that point, 300 years old, like 300 years. And the mental model was basically this. The center of the world is Europe. And there's another uh, place around the world that today we know is Asia. And what our, in Europe, we're going to just get all the resources we possibly can out of that part of the world and bring them back to our part. So we're going to bait everything we find, we're going to conquer, we're going to take the resources out of, we're going to take them, sell them, make us rich, make us powerful. So everybody in Europe had one worldview, which is find a water route, like one strategy, get a water route that will connect Asia to Europe. Well, when they start exploring and Columbus and a bunch of other folks stumble onto this big, massive landmass that we now know as America, Um, They spent the better part of 100 years just grumbling about trying to get through the darn thing. Mm -hmm. Like it was just in the way. Well, 300 years later, when the United States of America is established in the East, all they're thinking of is we could own the water route. If we own the trade route from Asia to Europe, we're going to grow up and be a wealthy nation. And they were vulnerable. And in 1805, when uh, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark were were going, it's because Jefferson wanted them to find a water route because then they'd own the trade route. Well, here's the problem. All the maps assumed a water route. So there was actually even maps drawn that showed the Columbia River that people had explored from Oregon, from the Pacific Ocean side, and the Missouri River that people had explored, but they didn't know where it connected. So all they were trying to do is find the connection. They assumed those waters had to be connected. And what they discovered, of course, is that what all of the Native American people knew is that those rivers didn't connect. They actually were two different water. Um, sources, and that there was this massive mountain range in between them. And so they literally had a mental model of the world that was wrong, and maps that they were carrying with them that were wrong. And they discovered it and had to now decide what to do about it.
0: How do you correlate that to what you've seen Uh, in nonprofit work and in uh, church world, business world, because I'm thinking of a couple different examples in my own life, but what have you seen? Like, how do you correlate it to what they experienced and, and what we
1: lead now, how we lead now? The single biggest piece of disappointment for people who are in leadership today, especially if you're in authorized roles of leadership, right? So you're the CEO, you're the president, you're the executive director, is that you got here because you were an expert on the map, right? So what got you here won't take you there. And so now you're grappling with the struggle is if we believe that the world, if we literally believe that the geography of the United States of America is exactly the same, that, what's ha- that the geography of the eastern part of the country all the way through until you get to the continental divide, which is a long, slow, gradual uphill, is going to be exactly the same in the West, a long, slow, gradual downhill. Well, then you are completely disrupted when you realize that the geography is absolutely different. Mm-hmm. So if you've been an expert in the Plains and the Valleys and the Shenandoahs, and now you find yourself in the Rocky Mountains and in the Pacific Northwest, you now recognize it's a totally different skill set. And for most leaders, the struggle is you were trained most of your life in that old world, and now you have to make an adaptation at a time in your life when you don't want to. And so what you have is a lot of people hope, that what what they can do is just be nostalgic and keep going back to where they were experts. And this is what happens in organizations: we double down on what we did in the past. Yeah. Uh, churches get nostalgic and want to go back to, you know, the world in which the church had a, a had a cultural advantage that we don't seem to have today. And we're mad about that. We're trying to recover that, restore that, um, even you know, fight or vote for that. And yet the world calls us, if we keep wanting to go into the future and make an impact in the future, then part of what we have to do is let the past go and move into the future.
0: So, um, we can't work through, we won't be able to work through all my notes, but there's, there's several other pieces. And, and one of them is, uh, when the book was handed to me, uh, it was on page 60, it was handed to me and the gentleman that I was meeting with, he said, I already know what your favorite quote's going to be in the book. I was like, really? He said, turn to page 60 He already highlighted it for you. So we can fail, but we can't suck. Mm-hmm. So I, I, have that. Yeah. I actually have that downstairs on the sales floor on our, uh, a whiteboard on the sales floor down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the phrases, but could, could you please expand on, and I think this is immediately applicable to stepping off the map, but uh, expand on that quote and talk a bit about failing with competence.
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a quote that I gave to my team when we started here at the school, uh, a brand new um, initiative, and we got some. We had a donor who came to us and said, "Hey, I'll give you the money to get started because I believe in what you guys are trying to do," and he said to me, "Look, I don't believe anybody's plan A is the one that works. So, so I want you to fail, and these fail smart and fail fail fast." Mm. And so what I said to them is we can fail, but we can't suck. We can't do a bad job at this. We can't, we can't fail because we were sloppy or we can't fail because we were lazy and we can't fail because we were stubborn, you know, because we really like the thing we're doing and we just know we can make it work. Um, it, in other words, I wanted them to get is failing smart and failing fast meant we're going to learn everything we can and make every adaptation as fast as we can. And, and I had a venture capitalist say to me, "Will also fail cheap. It's my money." Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. So I, I don't want to spend a lot of money either. So failing, so sucking means spending too much money, too long, too stubbornly to not learn the thing that will go from plan A to plan B to plan C to, to eventually the plan that's going to work. And what role does humility play in that process? Well, that's huge, right? Because you know, so most leaders mm-hmm. they get stepped in a leader because they're competent or they're people who can cast a vision. Hey, I got this dream let's do this thing. And what everybody thinks is they've got the plan perfectly laid out in front of them, right? So perfectly laid out. So I got the very best river guys I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And what they literally have to do is take a bunch of folks who are better in the river and immediately get them to transform to be able to travel over mountains. They got to change their mental model from we're river rafters to we're explorers. And so the struggle for most people is to have the humility to be a person who has to learn, who is not the expert, who, um, and one of my favorite part of the whole story of Lewis and Clark is that they were people who had to learn from a person who was an expert in the Rocky Mountains, who was an expert in, in this uncharted territory. She was a Native American teenage nursing mother whose name was Sacagawea. Um, We we might know her name is Sacagawea. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Well, they so so it's interesting. We all learned her name is Sacagawea. Here's an interesting little piece. They wrote down her name in their journals as Sacagawea. So I think one of the things we can just do in our own humility is give her back her name and begin to say, "Look, the the what the great advantage of going into uncharted territory is there are people who have already lived in that world. They're around us all the time, and in the world that I'm in, in the church world." These are the people who don't have privilege or power. They are people who um, didn't run churches out of big denominations like I've come out of or had the resources or the influence. And they are touching people's lives. They are caring for their neighbors. They are running alcohol and drug rehab programs. They're running homeless shelters. They are touching people because they're living out their faith and nobody will notice them. And They're the experts that if we can learn to listen to and partner with, we can have relevance. We can keep going. It's just, it's very powerful, but it, it takes humility. It takes with starting with saying, I don't know, and then looking for the people who will be your partners. It's so helpful.
0: I know it's not fair. We were just getting into the meat and ended this episode. So come back next week for part two, where we wrap up the full conversation with Todd. And uh, I'm actually going to pause on giving a takeaway and action item until we complete next week's episode because there's a lot more coming. So for now, check out the show notes for information on Todd's book and how to connect with him. The last thing I've got for you is an invitation to our tech showcase on May 13th at Miller Park in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're gonna have 20 different breakout sessions, two different tracks. One track for the breakout sessions is for IT pros and one is for business leaders. Our two keynote speakers are going to bring it also. Josh Linkner is the founder and CEO of five different tech companies, and we'll we'll be speaking on Hacking Innovation, the new growth model from the sinister world of hackers. So a new spin on all this hacker stuff and what we can actually learn and how it pushes us forward uh, as thought leaders. And if you're more of a sports person, we've got you covered there as well. Barry Alvarez, the athletic director for the University of Wisconsin-Madison, has the longest head coaching tenure and the most wins in Wisconsin Badgers football history. He'll be speaking on overcoming adversity and other lessons learned during his legendary career with the Badgers. To join us, you can go to ccbtechnology.com techshowcase tech showcase and sign up. Well, if you found value in this episode, I would ask that you take an extra couple of steps, subscribe to the podcast, and then review in whatever platform you're listening to this on. It helps us further our reach and uh, impact more folks that are in leadership positions or coming up in leadership positions. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time to do that. If you'd like to connect with us, you can shoot us an email at impactpodcast at ccbtechnology.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search Steve Shear, and send me an invitation to connect and uh, maybe a suggestion on what I can do to help improve the podcast. And as always, from all of us here at CCB Technology,
1: thanks for listening.